what a great picture of what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about a little bit about marriage and uh, uh, being on the same page moving forward and, and thinking through God's wisdom for us in our, our lives this way. Uh, the, the bigger idea of what we've been talking about in this series, uh, we're doing this series called Ride the Wave, and we're thinking about riding the wave of God's wisdom. How do we, how do we jump in and ride in the rhythm and the, and the power of the wisdom of God for our lives? We're looking at the book of Proverbs, and specifically some of the unique ways in which the Proverbs speak into very specific parts of our life. But if there was kind of a, a bigger overarching idea, we saw a little bit of this last week, that the uh, wisdom— begins with the fear of the Lord, this sense of awe, a little bit beyond awe, uh, uh, a little less than just terror, somewhere in the idea of just seeing the greatness of who God is. And, and in that place of knowing his greatness, of allowing his wisdom to speak in our lives, we, we, we built our entire uh, Ride the Way Vacation Bible School around uh, a memory verse that's on the back side of your uh, note page. We want to encourage you to, to learn this. Uh, maybe some of you have learned this but uh, a great passage, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. We want everyone to memorize this passage. Now, before you think, ah, I'm not very good at that kind of stuff, I need my helpers to come show you how easy it can be done. Brooklyn, Caitlin, uh, Lucas, Clay, come on. All the way across here in the front. All right. You ready? Okay. All right. So this is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How old are you? Eight, six, six five, eight, six, five, fourteen, nineteen. Seven. Okay, so we got about uh, 26 years. I am almost twice that, okay? So we have 26 years of experience right here. So let's, okay, ready? Show them how easy it is to memorize this verse. Ready? Trust. Nailed it. High five. High five. High five. All right. Thank you, helpers. All right. See how easy that is? You guys can all do that, okay? So we're learning that, and and you realize what a great promise that is. If you will trust in the Lord, he will direct you. He will guide your path. He will show you the right path to take. He will put you on the straight path path. He will remove the obstacles. This is the promise. And and out of that, what we saw last week, this idea that what God wants for our lives is fullness. He wants blessing for your life. And so we're looking at that. We're going to look specifically this week. uh, We want to think about this specifically when it comes to marriage. And we know that that falls on a big wide spectrum here from people who aren't married to people who were married to people who are married uh, people who aspire to marriage and people who think marriage is a crock. Okay, we we realize you're all here and we want to try to look at the Proverbs and see what they speak. Now, Kimberly and I have been married for 24 years, which is crazy because we were 23-year-old years old when we got married. We were dead sexy, uh, as you can see. So it's crazy. I have lived more of my life being married uh, than I did being single. So it's very interesting. Kim and I have learned a ton of lessons, uh, both from the victories and from the failures of, of being married together. I wish, 24 years later, that we could tell you that marriage is easy. It's not. I wish Kim could tell you being married to Bill is easy. She can't. Uh, 
marriage is challenging, and anyone who's been married knows this. Uh, in fact, I, I take uh, uh, some comfort. Uh, many of you know the name Billy Graham. Billy Graham, perhaps the most influential Christian leader in the last century, uh, probably has told more people around the world about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And so they asked his wife, Ruth, they asked her, they said, look, Billy's just all over the world. Have you, all these kind of things going on. Have you ever thought of divorcing Billy? And her response was divorce? No. Murder? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Or, or maybe you heard about this uh, couple on their honeymoon. The wife calls the pastor. She says, Pastor, we had our first fight. I don't know what to do. And the pastor says, don't worry. Everyone has fights. Uh, you're going to be okay. And she says, I know I'm going to be okay, but I don't know where to hide the body. Okay. <laughs> See, that's, that's Kim and I's strategy a little bit. We've decided uh, up front that divorce is not an option and murder is not an option. So we're going to have to figure out how to walk in the wisdom of God uh, so that our marriage can be all that God wants it to be. It can thrive and, and be blessed. And so there's so much to see. We could do a whole series on marriage, but we're going to just look specifically at some of the Proverbs that speak about this as we're going through this this summer. And so I want to encourage you. So let me help you with a big idea. And then we're going to skip around a lot. Uh, so I'm going to get you on one page and we'll kind of flip around into a general section. So I just want to prepare you a little bit, but let me give you um, a, a big idea that will kind of shape a little bit what we're going to talk about, explain it a little bit, and then we'll dive into the Proverbs and see how they speak to this. But here's a big idea today. It's that God wants to bring peace into your marriage. God wants to bring peace into your marriage. Now, the biblical idea of peace is so much more than a lack of conflict. I know for some of us, the idea of peace is simply like, we just won't fight. We can, as long as we can just learn to exist, even if it means sitting on the opposite ends of the, of the sofa, uh, that's enough for us. That's enough peace of, of what it means. And I would tell you that the biblical idea of peace is so far beyond that. This word peace in the Bible is this word shalom. Maybe you've even heard it as a greeting. Maybe uh, people would greet one another with this word shalom. And the idea of shalom or, or the peace of God is, is so much more. In fact, let me give you, help you understand its definition. It means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. It's, it comes from this root word meaning complete, perfect, full. It's a lot there. But, but I want you to see that, that, that the idea of peace, of wishing the blessing of peace upon someone, isn't just, I hope we don't fight with each other. The idea of wishing the blessing of peace is, I want God's fullness for you. I want the, the ble- God's blessings for you. And so when we think about this, what God wants in, in marriage and in our relationships isn't just that we wouldn't fight, but he wants uh, completeness, fullness, blessing, rest, harmony, all these things. This is what God wants. And so we want to think about this. And it, it's important that, uh, let me set some context uh, for you. So let me, if you were here last week, we tried to explain a little bit of the context of Proverbs. So one of the things that you see in the very beginning is, is the audience in parts of the Proverbs is a father speaking to a son. Now, What's important for you to understand is you'll see some of the language seems very specific, almost as if it's speaking only to males about females. But if we look deeper, 
at the uh, Proverbs 1, which we saw last week, we saw that the, in the introduction, in the, the, there's this, uh, it is addressed to uh, those that are unlearned and simple, uh, those that are wise and experienced. And so beyond, uh, it, it never kind of speaks only to gender. There's, there really is a, a conservative view to look at this and say that when we see uh, the word wife, you could substitute husband. Or when you see uh, this uh, uh, Female, you could substitute male. So vice versa. So as we look at these things, look at it through that lens and understand it through that lens. Now, one of the most important things that we want to see, as I said, we could go in a lot of different directions. But one of the themes that comes up again and again in Proverbs, uh, specifically when it speaks about marriage, is about quarreling. It's about strife. Uh, it's about the, the, uh, having discord in a relationship. And ultimately, if we want to f- experience this fullness, we have to think through how do we resolve uh, the challenges and problems that come up the, when there is this sense of strife or discord. And the Proverbs speak more than really anything else in, in Scripture. We'll see uh, that there's so much in the book of Proverbs related to this. This idea of being quarrelsome, in Hebrew, it, it speaks of dissension. Or disputes, or, or as I said, quarreling with one another. And Proverbs, more than any other Old Testament book, talks about this topic. And so we're going to see this come up again and again. And I think it's an important thing for us to think about. If we want to experience the fullness in relationships, how do we think about this in terms of, of our quarreling with one another? Now, some of you think about this when you think about what does a quarrelsome person look like? Uh, sometimes we easily explain this away, don't we? We say, well, I'm not quarrelsome. I just tell you how it is, right? Or I, I'm not a quarrelsome person. I'm just Italian, and that's just how, who I am. That's my family background. Uh, or I'm not quarrelsome. I'm just always right, right? So it's, it's somewhere in it, like sometimes we don't really see this, but we know that fighting and quarreling in a marriage brings chaos, and chaos in the home is the opposite of what God wants to bring. He wants peace. He wants uh, fullness, and so this, I, I want to help you see something that I think is important because some of you are going to find yourselves in different places on the spectrum, as I said. So chaos in a marriage sometimes comes quickly and sometimes is built over time. Chaos in a marriage can come quickly or it can be built over time. And to help you see that, let me invite you to turn to Proverbs 26. And we're going to start there. We'll, we'll jump around. Proverbs 26. You want to grab a Bible. You can go to page 655. They're in front of you. We'll also put, I think we have all of them that we're going to do. They'll also be on the screen. But it's nice to look at them. Again, in the book of Proverbs, especially in these later chapters, you'll see a lot of times that there are a lot of singular ideas. They're not all connected together. So, that, so we're going to bounce around. It's not our typical way of doing something. But part of the reason we're bouncing around is that you'll see kind of a singular idea, but you'll see it echoed in other places of the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs 26, 21, and then we're going to jump over one page to 27. We'll kind of give us an idea of this first point of chaos. Proverbs 26, 21 says, As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. So we see this even, and obviously we can apply this beyond marriage, but fighting and quarreling to marriage brings uh, chaos into a home. And you can see the unique way, this, this word picture, that a quarrelsome person is like just adding logs to the fire. That the more, uh, more and more that we, we continue to, to quarrel with one another, the more we're in essence kind of adding on. And, and right away you can see the way a, a, a fire can quickly build by our inability 
uh, to, to deal with those, those problems. But let's compare this to Proverbs 27. Go over one page. Proverbs 27, verses 15 and 16. Proverbs 27, verses 15 and 16. And it says this, A quarrelsome wife or husband is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Now, again, we see this kind of idea of, of quarreling, but yet look at kind of the different picture. This kind of subtle drip, 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 drip. And you realize over time how annoying that, that could be. Maybe some of you experienced this last Sunday, right? When that huge storm kind of came in for the day and you hadn't seen rain in who knows how long. And all of a sudden there was this new spot in your house, drip, drip drip. It was annoying to you. Maybe you put a bucket under it. Maybe you found a way to patch it. But think about the ancient world, okay, where you don't, it's not that simple. In the ancient world, that kind of dripping, that's a real threat to the home. That's a threat to, to their very existence. And so that, that small little drip that sounds like it's insignificant, really, uh, really, the, it's indicating that with time, this is going to destroy the entire home. And so problems, chaos can come in very quickly. It can be an event that triggers everything. Or some of you know, it can be this kind of slow, gradual building. All of a sudden we realize, wow, it's almost like you're building a wall brick by brick. And all of a sudden you look up and you realize, how did we get to this point? Well, let's think about this. If, if chaos can come in these ways, how does God's wisdom speak to us of being able to eliminate uh, those problems. I want you to think of, of three things that we'll see, and you're almost going to see kind of a progression. And so first, let me speak to those of you who are not married yet. So all the single ladies and men, okay, uh, let me speak to you first. And the Proverbs leads us to this point. Let God lead you to a spouse. Let God lead you to a spouse. Proverbs 18 Flip back a couple pages. Proverbs 18, 22. And it says this. It says, He who finds a wife or she who finds a husband finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Listen to the echo of this in Proverbs 19. One page over. Proverbs 19, verse 14. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents but a prudent wife or husband is from the Lord. Okay, this, this gift, this prudent spouse, a wise, godly spouse is a gift from God. Now, some of you who are single may want to circle Proverbs 19, 14. Just put this little date and say, this is the day I started praying for what God had next for my life. Uh, one of the things that we see that I think is so interesting is you continue, if you were to keep reading through, especially uh, the wisdom when it comes to marriage, and again, think of the audience, a father speaking to his young son. Much of the wisdom he gives his young son is this. It's try to be wise before you even get into that situation. Choose wisely. He's preparing him, spending more time, more energy preparing him how to avoid those problems than how to resolve those problems. Choose wisely. Seek help from God. And I loved in the video how you kind of got that sense from Tim and Cody. The unique way they talked about their lives kind of growing up separately, and yet in this, this unique way in which God brought them together, and they could see something, they could sense something. And, and even more so now, how much you realize that these two are a gift 
from God to each other. And it's funny, I look at my life with Kimberly, and Kim and I, we never even thought about dating, let alone getting married. So we grew up in the youth group here together. And uh, after high school, and we were in college, in the college group here, and people say, you know, uh, you guys should date. And the thought was repulsive, really. Uh, it was, it was that uh, we were so different. It was like, ooh, no, uh, we're not going to. It was, but you know what it was? Here's the thing that attracted me to Kim ultimately. It was that, it was her love for the Lord. It was her love for God. And it was her love to serve God. So I began to see something in her that all of a sudden I realized she wasn't just this girl I grew up in the youth group. I just realized there's something about who she was. Now, I realized I was attracted then to her physically and all those other things that went with it. But what really drew me to her was her love of the Lord and her love to serve the Lord. And what I began to realize, I I began to watch her. um, As we started dating, I'd watch her with her nephew. I'd watch her kind of be around kids. I started thinking, man, she's going to be a great mom. She's going to be a great wife for someone. And then I realized, don't be stupid. You know, you start hearing that. Like that, I remember the words of James Dobson. We started dating. We dated a, a few years. And James Dobson said this, don't marry the person you can live with. Marry the person you can't live without. And I realized that about Kim. Like I, I just, I love being with her. I love thinking about our life together. I love thinking future with her. And, and so in all of this, it was, it was very interesting to recognize. Now, one of the most important things I realized about Kim was this. Her love for the Lord meant this. I would never be first in her life, which was a good thing. And she would never expect to be first in my life, which is a good thing. Because uh, neither one of us can handle that burden. It's too big of a burden, right? So you guys get married, and the first thought you have is, okay, you're now first in my life. That is not realistic and that will never work. Your spouse cannot handle that burden. And anyone who's asking your spouse to be first in your life, you're really, you're really setting yourselves up for chaos. The reality is you seek first the Lord and, and his righteousness, his kingdom, and, and all those other things will then take place. And so I realized that because Kim was willing to seek the Lord first, the, the kind of person she was and, and the way then she could love me and serve me and, and be my wife and, and, and the expectations she had of me as well. And so the Proverbs say this, they say that, that, that this spouse, there's a spouse who's a gift from God. And, and again, he warns and warns, choose wisely, choose wisely. I know sometimes the idea of loneliness and growing up alone, we, we kind of panic. And I, I, growing up as the youth pastor here, I'd always watch these young people panic that they were going to be alone the rest of their lives. And they would compromise their faith and they would go kind of stray off the path. And instead of choosing someone in which they would have this rich life with, instead they were just so panicked about being alone that they kind of settled, is the way I would say it, they kind of settled outside of that. And we see instead there's, a, there's someone who could be a gift from God. Now let's say you're married and you're experiencing the, the, the chaos that comes with marriage. Uh, the second thing we see in, in, uh, in experiencing the fullness of life is this, that we are to deal with issues quickly. We are to deal with issues quickly. Proverbs 17 verse 14 says this, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. The earlier you stop the conflict, the earlier you address the conflict, the better. The sooner you you address it, the less damage there will be. So let's think of it this way. This is let's just this is time 
and this is intensity, and something happens in your marriage, right? And for, for most of us, here's our hope. Our hope is that with time, it will go away, right? That with more time, if we don't talk about it, if we don't deal with it, with time, hopefully it will just disappear. Now, it's funny, as I say that in the first service, the people that have been married 30, 40, 50 years, they all, I can see it, actually the ones that have been married that long. You guys are the ones all smiling because you know that is, it couldn't be any further from the truth. The reality is with time, the intensity actually goes up by not dealing with something. And this is the wisdom of Proverbs, right? That when something happens, when a dispute breaks out, quickly find a way to get involved. Find a way to deal with it. Now, as godly wisdom says, deal with issues quickly. I think one of the things that's so important for each of us to to remember in our relationships is this. Pay attention to what season you are in. Uh, I, I can only think of, for myself, the unique seasons that Kim and I have gone through from being uh, single to engaged to married, to married with one child and the world changing, to married with two children and the world changing even more, to being surprised eight years later with a surprise child and being more, to sending our first child away to college— on and on, you know, starting to think through health issues and reti- all that kind of, I realize every one of us are in different seasons. And what happens is uh, disappointment is the result of unmet expectations. And so sometimes in a season of life, we expect life to look a certain way and we're not being realistic of what that life looks like. I, I, uh, we, were, we were joking about this uh, comment one comedian makes, Jim Gaffigan, he says this, he says, you want to know what it's like to have a fourth child? He says, imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. Uh, right? That, some of your lives take, you know, something happens, a big thing in life happens, and all of a sudden the intensity of that life, it's different. The way you're going to deal with things is different. And the expectations. And so there are new challenges. It's going to take different energy and different strategies and different wisdom to be able to handle that. I think of it this way. When... When uh, my oldest son went away to college two years ago, I was like, oh man, my wife, Mama Bear, she is not going to do well with this. And so we fly to Chicago, we get him all set up in his room, and we're leaving. And we're getting on the plane, and we're flying home, and I'm like, okay, here's where she breaks. Here's where it comes. And all of a sudden, I start thinking of t-ball and baseball and all this. And I'm on the plane like, I miss my baby. You know, I realized I was not ready to be like, lose my first son. And she's like, come on, weakling, come on, suck it up, butter. Come on. (laughs) But I wasn't prepared for that new season and the new challenges that were going to come uh, through that. And so what, what, what we had to recognize, one of the best things that happened was we, we were able just to say, this is going to be a challenging season for us. There, there are new things we've never faced before. And so we could feel the tension rising. We didn't really know how to deal with it. We found people that had experienced it. We found people to pray for us. We found people just to walk through it with us. And we found wisdom in this to, before it escalated, before we said, what is going on? Before we like, just completely stressed ourselves out, we found ways to deal with it before it exploded. Deal with things quickly, we see as the wisdom of Proverbs. Well, one final thing. This, I think, is a really important uh, thing that we see is this. Remember your vows. Remember your vows. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. 
And this idea is interesting. It comes up again in the Old Testament in other ways. But listen, there's an interesting part of this. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman or man, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Now, it's interesting what we see there is is that marriage is based on a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It is an agreement that we make. And what we see in this kind of picture is is this idea of of someone who's forgotten that they made a vow to someone. Someone's forgotten that they made a a commitment to someone. Now, I know some of you are thinking, look, I don't don't need a piece of paper uh, to tell me I love someone. You're right. You don't. You don't need a piece of paper. But let me help you understand something. When you get married, when you stand with someone, and when you, you're, and I know some of you haven't taken that step. Some of you, are, you're even living together, and you're like, I don't know if I want to do marriage. Let me explain why this is so important. Marriage and a wedding, and what a wedding ceremony is, it is not a place for you to declare present love. It is a place for you to declare future love. When you are making vows to each other, you are first making a vow of, of the future intent to love before God himself. You're making a, a, a vow to God that says, God, I will honor what I'm about to do today. The commitment I'm making to this person, I will honor it because I want to honor you. And then when you, you, you uh, part of that vow is in turning and, and, and sharing these words to each other. And you are making a vow in front of your family, in front of your friends. And it's a very significant thing to, to, to be able to think to. You are promising future love. Now, I've done some of your weddings out here, and, and, and a lot of people want to do, like, I want to write my own vows. And so I, I learned this. It was so important. I, I had to learn, if you're going to write your own vows, I'm okay with that, as long as you use future language. So if you want to say, um, you're the pepperoni to my pizza, or you complete me, or whatever it is that you want to declare of what this present moment is, that's fine, as long as you then declare future commitment. So think about this. When you stand there and I say, do you? I do. Do you? I do. That is your vow before God. I will honor this vow. You're saying to God himself, I will honor this until the day I die. When you turn and face each other and you take each other's hands and you say, you know, I, Jimmy, take you, Sally, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. Sickness and health. Let's be honest. When you're 20 years old, none of that stuff makes any sense to you. You just think it's poetic. You just think, oh, those are sweet. I saw those in a movie somewhere. I did one of the best weddings I ever did was a couple years ago. It was a couple who had been divorced for, I think, about 20 years. But what happened is, as they became authentic followers of Christ, they realized something. That they they had grown apart. They had not... They had not committed themselves to their vows. They had grown apart. But because they loved Jesus and because they wanted to honor him, what they found themselves doing is as they were moving towards Jesus, they found themselves actually moving back towards each other. And so they began to date each other again. And then he asked, he popped the question again. And they came to me and they said, okay, we're getting married again 20 years later. And they said, it's going to be a very, very simple ceremony, but I just want you to, the most important part of the whole ceremony is this. It is our vows. 20 years ago, we had no idea what we were saying to each other. But now we get it. Now we understand how important these words are. 
And so it was, I can't even tell you, I've done 200 something weddings, but this was one of the most magical kind of moments. It took, it was the longest it has ever taken me to get through the vows because no dry eye in the place. We were all crying. They were just bawling as they were trying to stumble through these words to say, I'm, I failed you the last time, but I will not fail you until the day I die. I will live up to these words. I get it now. I get what these words mean. And notice what the, the writer of Proverbs says. There's, the, there's that person who forgets. They forget the vow they have made. They forget they've made a vow to God and to, to this person. And they, they run after something for a momentary pleasure. They run after something greener grass instead of remembering the vow. I love what Jesus does. They asked Jesus about this. They said, do you, they are asking about divorce. And instead of telling him his theory on divorce, Jesus really focused it back on marriage. And he said this, don't you remember from the very beginning how God designed it? A man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He says, this is the way God created it from the very beginning. And then Jesus adds, okay, you want my interpretation? Here's my interpretation. What God joins together Let man not separate. And then he begins to explain the reason why divorce happens is because of hardness of heart. And and those of you who've been experienced this, I know I'm a a child who's gone through divorce in our family. And some of you I know have gone through that that terrible pain of divorce. You realize that there was this hardness of heart and we missed, we lost, we got got lost somewhere along the way. And I I hope that today is a day you can continue to pray God's healing and wholeness. I, I don't think he's done with you by any stretch. But I think what you would say to these couples that are married today is you got to remember your vow. You have to stay true to that. You have to know that there's going to be times where it's not going to be here. It's, I mean, there's not enough paper sometimes for the situations you get into. But in those moments, you need to remember your vows. Because if you don't remember your vows, circumstances will happen and circumstances will take over. I want to encourage you, those of you who are married here today, here's my encouragement for you today. I want to encourage you, renew your vows today. That doesn't mean you have to book a trip to Maui, although why not? But just quietly, privately, even in the service in just a moment as we close, I want you to privately renew your vows. First you to God and then with your spouse. And and again, I don't care where you are on here. I don't care if you're, you know, the conflict is up in the ceiling that you would say, man, things are not doing well right now. But but I am committed to my vow and I'm committed to seeking help and walking through that. And, and, and again, if you're coming through this from a difficult place, this is a place where, where God can begin to, to meet with you. If God's desire, if what Jesus is saying is this, look, God is the one who joins you together. And if God joins you together, you know what he wants for you? He wants peace. He wants fullness. He wants completeness. He wants blessing. He wants all those things. It's not going to come easy, but that's what God ultimately wants for you. Now, it's interesting as we think of this, because I know some of you are thinking, man, isn't, isn't it true that, that marriage is just really on the outs? Like, it's just not working anymore? And I would tell you, it's very, Ken and I spent some time researching this. And, you know, you're hearing the statistics that 50% of marriages end in failure. It doesn't work anymore. And Ken is a sociology major, so we, he kind of sniffed this out a little bit. He called his sociology professor from Pepperdine. And we did some real research. The truth is that those statistics are no longer uh, accurate. The truth is marriage, marriages are getting stronger and stronger. They're lasting longer and longer. And maybe you've even heard about in the church, there's no difference. Christians get divorced at the same rate. Now, for me, that was always difficult to tell because I look here in the church, I'm like, I, I know it happens, 
but it doesn't seem to happen at the rate people are saying it happens. And part of it, and, and, and the research actually would confirm this. The reality is that, I don't know if you know this, just by you being here today, you increase your likelihood of your relationship, your marriage staying together. Uh, couples who attend church together tend to have stronger relationships, longer lasting relationships. So don't miss church next week, okay? Uh, uh, the, there, there is, there is, that's what the data is beginning to show and beginning to say. And so why? Because God is in it. And I knew it for myself growing up here as a kid, it was interesting because I would see people who married 30, 40, 50 60s. We had a couple in the last service married 60 years. There's a couple there. They're a little too old to be able to get here. They've married 70, over 70 years together. And I've talked with Roberta. If you ever get a chance to, she'll tell you, I'm like, you're my hero. How do you do that? And she'll tell you, well, marriage is tough, man. (laughs) She's not going to tell you it was easy. It's tough, but she's, of all the people I've met here, someone who's remained faithful to our vows. And so I want to encourage you married couples to remain faithful to your vows. I want to encourage you uh, uh, couples that are struggling. Wherever you are, decide today. Decide today to, to, to repair, to patch that, that, that uh, leak in the dam. And single folks, I want, I want to encourage you to be patient to be prayerful. There's, no, there's nothing wrong of being single. There's no, you're no less person. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for God's blessing that you would you be patient and wait and let God lead in that situation. And so let's bow together. Let's pray for this. Take a moment uh, to just dedicate your relationships present future to the Lord. Take a moment to pray, and in just a moment, we'll continue in worship.